the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden. Find out more at PalladioMemphis.com on the Mighty 990 with your hosts, Vader Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, Mid-South Gardening. Earth. <laughs> oh, good to be here this morning on this bright, shiny morning, it looks like. Hey, you, you see how uh, light it was this morning yeah. driving in? That's what I was saying. This Just all of a sudden, you morning. know, it's been pitch black, dark, Jim Veda driving in here. And this morning, hey, we got some sunshine out there. We got a little daylight out there already. Mm-hmm. Oh, traffic <laughs> was irritating me. Traffic at this time. Um, I mean, I enjoy my ride with just a few people on the interstate because it's really fun how quickly you can get somewhere without the people on the interstate. But this time, there's a lot of people on the interstate. She's complaining about traffic. I was. Can you believe it? I was I like, wait, y'all, this is my time. I'm not awake. I'm mostly sleeping on the way, so it's harder to sleep on the way <laughs> when there's a lot of cars. Ah, uh, so you're one of those <laughs> sleepers and drivers. Yeah. Well, I think I met my uh, my future wife. Uh, this week, um, whoops, uh, no. Jim. Should we? Can you can you mute that? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, and I'm I'm telling you, it just it moved me. Okay, I was at the garden center and I was uh, helping a customer, and I've known her for a hundred years. And they've got a place uh, outside of the city limits down in uh, Mississippi uh, that they you know got a lake down there and they got gardens and you know they enjoy going down there uh, during the week and also on the weekends. Well, just like everybody else, you know, no one is immune to moles, right? Well, she said that they had some moles in their manicured front yard. And what she used to do, she'd go out there, and if you, if you saw the tunnel move, you know, you'd get a shovel and stick it down behind them and then flip him out and get rid of him, right? Well, she said, a shotgun will also do the job. And I was like, explain that to me. Because she, she, she had my interest then, okay? Yeah. So when she's out there... <laughs> she might be out there now, honestly. <laughs> and if she sees the ground moving, you know, a, a mold tunnel, and she sees the ground moving, she's got a 12-gauge shotgun, and she just blasts the thing out of the ground. She said, now, the only drawback is I do leave holes in the ground. Uh, and y'all, and I was thinking, <laughs> w- at what point do we stop when we're trying mm-hmm. to get rid of moles? I laughed, y'all, till I cried, I'm telling you. I don't know if there is a point to stop at when you're now, trying to get rid of moles. Now, it becomes a quest I'm not saying, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly not saying I, I want people to go out there mm-hmm. with shotguns and shoot moles. I'm not saying that at all. I'm yeah, just they saying. They kind of discourage that in the city. You, well, yes. <laughs> but I'm just saying there are other alternatives to get rid of moles is all I'm saying. Oh, you know, I like this uh, product that I didn't even know existed, and it's been out for a while, but it's uh, the netting that isn't folded up in a box, and you can buy it. It's not the gardener's cloth, like um, the wire. Like a bird netting, like a plastic netting? Well, actually, it looks like an aluminum blanket almost, just just looking at it, but it's got all the... um, the squares in it where the roots can grow through, but not big enough for the moles or the voles to tear through it. And I've had a lot of people tell me, come in for more because it's really doing a good job. But what do they use it for initially, though? Uh, the hoss. Oh, for initially, I don't I know. I mean, to line the hole with, I yeah, guess? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know how we used to do the gardener's cloth yeah. or a black bucket. 
And so this, you just plant it in here, but it's easier to form into the hole. And, you know, we, it was just crazy cutting the black plastic buckets, um, mm-hmm. the gardener's, cl- gardener's wire. What is that? Hardware called? cloth. Thank you. You're welcome. Why is it? You know, it's funny. It's called hardware cloth. I know you, you were looking at me like, I got to tell her what, what it's really about. We, but, we, we, yeah, that's Beta really and weird. I have the same sort of relationship that my wife and I do, only partially. Um, that, <laughs> uh, Mute you know, again. Whatever she says, regardless of how mangled she makes it, I understand uh-huh. what I she's know. saying. <laughs> so, and, then Jim, and then Jim explains it to me. Yeah. yeah, right. But there is a difference between a mole and a vole. Mm. You know, the mole is the one that's tunneling through your yard, just tearing up your yard, looking for worms and grubs yeah. to feed on, right? And then a vole, that little devil, looks like a little mouse, but he is the one that's gnawing the roots off of your prize hostas that's, and everything else. That's you know? just horrible yeah, a, because they're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I had a shizu one time that just loved to dig moles, but the, I tell you, the only thing worse than having moles is a dog that likes to dig yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> you get the same kind of shotgun holes all over the yard. <laughs> but y'all, I'm telling you, I just, I was thinking, you know, the one critter that just runs people crazy, even more than squirrels, is, is a dang mole. Mm-hmm. And people would do anything in the world to get rid of those things. And then, you know, of course, you know, we sell castor oil, beta, you know, the uh, granulated or the liquid gem, you know about that, which is a repellent. And there's traps, and then there's grub killers that you can put down, and, uh, you know, there's gassers and baits. I mean, there's a hundred mm-hmm. different things out there to help you get rid of a mole. But when she started talking about the shotgun, and she said, I'll go out there and just have my coffee and just stand on the porch and watch that thing mm-hmm. until I see something move, and then I start blasting. And I'm thinking, that's Ma Barker right that's, there. That's just a fun time. You oh. get your target practice. You don't have to leave your front porch, nope. and you eliminate the moles. Yep, but now at some point, you got to go out there and fill in the holes, though. Mm. Well, okay, so moles and voles, ticks and fleas. Yeah. Um, Ticks and fleas, that's going to be something this year, too. I like to use diatomaceous earth on the ticks and fleas. I used it, I like to use it on my uh, my dogs, actually. If I was, if they had a flea problem, the diatomaceous earth is like uh, a bunch of razor blades, rolling in a bunch of razor blades if you were a flea so or cruel a tick. Mm-hmm. I know, that is, but that's a good way to explain it because it's like a little baby powder, it seems like. And it you're does. thinking, how could that even work? So it's worked really well dusting my animals with it. And um, also, if you, I've seen it work real well if you dust it in the carpets of your house, if you're getting a lot of flea problems. You know, it was recommended a lot to um, take a powder and do it around the outside of, or the inside of your fence line mm-hmm. and do your yard with it if you have ticks. And I've heard people say they've gotten, you know, pretty good results with it. So uh, that's something you could use if you wanted to be uh, natural on trying to eliminate that. Yeah, and there are some, and Jim, you'll back me up on this. There's some uh, safer products. Uh, you know, there's, of course, the permethrins that a lot of people will spray with. There's the bifenthrin that a lot of people spray with. I, and I kind of personally like the bifenthrin because it does have a little longer residual even than the permethrins. But they're both, they're both insecticides. They're both man-made. Uh, but they are, are a lot safer than the old malathons and diazinons that we used to use wow. years ago. And of course, I don't care what you're spraying with. You're going to have to spray more than one time, and that's mm-hmm. the key. You know, if you've got fleas and ticks, and eventually, you know, all of us, you know, we go through that. Uh, last year was a horrible season uh, for ticks in particular. But if you go out there and give it a good spray, and you need to come back in about mm-hmm. a week, spray again, come back in a week, and spray a third time, once a week for three weeks. 
and you'll break that reproductive cycle. And that's really the key to get rid of fleas yeah. and ticks. You so, can't go out there and just spray one time or forget about it. So moles and voles, flicks and teas, flicks and ticks and fleas, and mosquitoes. That's the next one that we're going to have issues with. And there's a lot of good organic mosquito sprays as well. And you can spray the perimeter of your yard with it and you want to do it like an hour or two before a party um you know there's also (laughs) how we think and we just really believe that the lemongrass and the citronella (laughs) will repel the insects the mosquitoes and all maybe if you sat in the container of it and then we're in a field of a field of it and well how did we get that yeah but it's not and we talked about this before and Mm -hmm. i I dare say that it doesn't help but it's not going to be the total answer it doesn't help (laughs) you know it's just but i I was talking to a young lady yesterday in the garden center about uh mosquitoes and you know some people are just you know, they stick their toe out the door and they get taken yeah, away by them. And yeah. some people, that's my wife, and some people don't. <laughs> and that's me. Yeah, <laughs> same. Um, same thing with me and, and, and my wife, Jim. But uh, I mentioned the word permethrin while ago. Um, permethrin is a really good all-purpose broad-spectrum insecticide, and it's really good for mosquitoes also. And whether you're spraying your shrubs down, you're spraying your beds down, spraying your lawn down, spray everywhere. Uh, permethrin is a, is a really good product, but not only because it kills the mosquitoes, but also permethrin is a it's a repellent, also believe it or not. So, but there are some good alternatives like a repels all in the mm-hmm. liquid. It's it's natural oils, and you know it's not going to give you long term coverage. But if you're going to have something in the garden that late in the evening, then you know mm-hmm. spray it during the morning, and it has a little nice citrus mm-hmm. smell mm-hmm. and. Uh, and it does a, a pretty fair job of uh, of repelling. Right. So if you can eliminate the population some, then that's going to make the outside more enjoyable. But you know, there's a lot of places that ins- or mosquitoes are that you're not thinking about it. For instance, this where we have our potting area kind of in a corner. And when it rained, we found out that it's really not draining well enough. Mm-hmm. And then pot- planting in the area where there's a soil and all of that, uh, I walked back there and started moving some things around, and the mosquitoes just attacked mm-hmm. me because it was it was a, in the moist soil and the moist rocks. Mm-hmm. So you could uh, check out your yard, your your lawn, your landscape, and see where there's some things that can hold moisture because they can lay their eggs in just a little bit. Yeah, and, and also keep in mind, you know, there are sprays, of course, uh, for mosquitoes, but there's also the little donks and the granules that you can put in Which the water. I use in mind, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So if you've got bird baths or fountains, in fact, this young lady that I was talking to yesterday about the mosquitoes her husband won't even let her put water in the bird bath because of that oh. and that's when I, I told her i said not a problem put the water in there for the birds and just drop a few of these mm-hmm. uh, little granules in there that will kill the mosquito larva it won't hurt the birds at all mm-hmm. so there are things we mm-hmm. can do to help uh, protect ourselves from the yeah. mosquitoes it's just the consistency of it just keep Keep doing it. Like with the moles, just keep doing it. When you think you've got the population down, don't really believe it. Maybe work on it a little bit more. Insects, same thing. You just got to redo it over and over to take care of those. But hopefully if we can control those things, then mm. that makes our 
spring, summer, outside activities a lot more fun. Yeah, and another thing we need to talk about this morning, I've had people bringing me in samples already this early in the season of mean old black spot on roses. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh, yes. I've seen lots of pictures. So of a lot of here. people just don't know exactly what to do about black spot on roses other than dig the roses up and throw them away, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not really Chop a, them in half. Yeah, that's know. not at all. That's <laughs> Take, not really, the, that's not really diff- what we should be doing. Well, d- plant sometimes just plant a different rose. If it's wearing you out, just plant a different rose. Although I know there's some that you can't give up, but I'm saying it's okay. Sometimes, you know, a lot of people don't want to get rid of something. They feel like they, they're wasting their money or, or, you know, just throwing away a plant. But if it's stressing you out in the garden, I mean, the garden's not supposed to be that stressful. Or if you're spending a lot of money keeping it from having the black spot, then just eliminate it. And then take care of uh, other things. Well, we'll talk Free about your mind. some ways maybe to get rid of the black spot. And then also the spotting on the old English ivy, guys. We're already seeing a lot of that also. I don't know if it's going to be a big year or a big spring mm-hmm. for fungal activity, but looks like it it's already is. So. Yeah. And then, oh, I saw something on your Facebook page. Uh, I didn't, I was going to answer it, but you probably had, it was a Japanese maple that had like the a canker. Stem canker in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I saw the canker on that. Yeah. I gave a little brief, you know, 10 word answer. Mm-hmm. And someone else came on there and wrote paragraphs and paragraphs and, and oh, told her the exact same that. thing. All right. So, yeah, so, so I wouldn't <laughs> read that you know, along. It's a stem canker. It's right, caused so. by a pathogen, but I don't know which one. Oh, the damage was Pseudo- likely from freeze. And Pseudomonious. Maybe. And you don't know oh, that for sure. Yeah. Still. All right. So hold on. So if I've got a Japanese maple... And the, you get it. What happens is there's going to be some sort of damage at some point because that's how the pathogen gets in there. And we've seen a lot of it from freeze damage yeah. already. So the pathogen gets in there and then that stem begins to die. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's going to die. There's no stopping it. Uh, I suggest. What, what are the symptoms? I mean, just, it's just, just black, the, the stem tankers. turns black. Yeah. And, and coral barks are one of the worst mm-hmm. at doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but anyway, you know, you just have to bite the bullet. Mm-hmm. You cut the stem off before it goes down any further, and um, you know. Yeah, and that looked like it was on a on a leader. Yeah, it was on the main spot. Truck, so yeah. I was trying to. It's. I wasn't aware of anything new that had come out. Yeah, but I, I suggested that she Google it on Japanese maples to mm-hmm. see because we are seeing new technologies and that sort of thing. And, and I'm not seeing them all. And that was right, a type of right. canker or what was yeah, it? Yeah, it? It is a stem canker. canker. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of pathogens that could have caused it, but you know, that's not really important. The same, uh, same reason we don't see a lot of uh, Leland Cypress around Memphis anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. It's because that's remember they were so susceptible to, to that. Ceridium canker. Right. Yeah. And where the, you know, the stems just start to die back, the limbs are starting to die back and you just have to cut it all out of there. Yeah, and and you're the left with down. a mm-hmm. trunk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to treat some Leland Cypress. I think it's going to be this week because it's got the canker go and so i'm gonna do the hard way but the natural way and that's uh aerate the soil Mm -hmm. you know drill some holes holes down into it put some of that permatil in it so Mm -hmm. the soil can expand off of it doing a lot of composting and uh pruning all the canker and stuff out Watch so she can watch it die. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, just keep working on it because you know there's such a screen in this place, mm-hmm. yeah. and so I'm even considering because they might be so tight, maybe removing one. You know that might help. And the if aeration. we were going to spray them, I mean, would we spray with something like copper, or would we spray on with the uh, roots? Maybe? Well, no. I mean, it's uh, it's spread by water, mm-hmm. right. so the the most important thing is cut out. 
the the infected parts and get you need to go well past the canker mm-hmm. back towards the mm-hmm. trunk. You know, you need to get at least eight to ten inches. Mm-hmm. I would I, that's my preference, uh, and cut that out. And mm-hmm. of course, clean your cutters every cut, mm-hmm. uh, right? So that you don't spread it back into another area, uh, and then just be patient. But once it's infected into a tree. It's difficult mm-hmm. to control it. It just right. really is. Yeah, we're just going to, because actually they were treated, I think, two years ago. Um, I'm believing this person used a fungicide on it, but didn't do any of the other oh, healing yeah. properties. And so maybe we should, well, I don't, do you, did a fungicide, does that even help on the Leland's? Well, I think maybe, I mean, there are some uh, mm-hmm. uh, fungicides that have, or bactericides mm-hmm. that have canker on the label. But I'm, I'm still with y'all. I think you got to get in there and clean it up and do everything you can to make this thing as healthy as possible yeah. because stress, mm-hmm. uh, stress fractures in the stems. Uh, that's how these little things Any get in there. Any that can yeah. get in there. And I mean, that can be something as, you know, hail. It right. can be... Um, Kids animal break. insect damage. Yeah, kids lose their basketball in the shrubs, mm-hmm. breaking it all up that yeah. way too. So, and then you know you can still use those same treatments, say for the arborvitas, because you know we get the bagworms. That's another one we ate in the summer. We get the bagworms, but again, I've had really good luck with doing the composting, the liquid, you know, into the soil to make the soil, uh, the microorganisms function a little quicker Mm -hmm. so the um, nutrients can be available to the arbovitas. And, you know, the other thing I I think is really amazing is the uh, Yoshino cryptomeria. Mm -hmm. I love, love that one. It's so beautiful. But I tell you, I've noticed if it's in a crowded condition, forget about it. But then if they've got plenty of room to do all their growing, they're absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and a lot of people that used to grow Leland Cypress and mm-hmm. stopped growing them because of canker disease uh, have planted mm-hmm. cryptomeria, um, you know, in their place. Kind of yeah. like, you know, when people stop growing red tip photinas mm-hmm. because of endosporium leaf spot. You know, there are other shrubs that take its place. And the cryptomeria really, in my opinion, is what took the place of the Leland Cypress. Now, I'm not saying don't ever plant a Leland Cypress. In fact, mm-hmm. my sister's got some flanking her back uh, property, and they're absolutely beautiful. But she does keep them as healthy as she possibly can. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't let them, you know, you know, go through droughts without moisture. She does absolutely feed them. In fact, she's got someone to take care of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the healthier the plant, how many times have we said this, the healthier that plant is, the less, in- the less insects and the less disease you're going to see. You know, there's a laurel that I'm interested in, the chestnut laurel. Uh, yeah, chestnut the che- hill. Yeah, chestnut hill. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like the foliage <laughs> on it a little better. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful one, but mm-hmm. it uh, unfortunately is uh, no more resistant to shot hole than any of the yeah, rest. Yeah, I'm sitting here shaking yeah. my head in agreement. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I see this every day. Uh, I had looking at a lady's phone yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. and of course, it's a picture yeah. of a autolucan laurel in this case with riddled with shot hole disease. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what is doing this? And of course, most people think it's an insect before they understand it's actually a disease. And we explained, you know, the, the trouble with laurels, all laurels get it. Uh, and she's like, so this is not a bug. I'm like, no, it's, it's not. And there again, I mean, if you have good open air mm-hmm. circulation Agreed. and you get a little yeah. more light and you don't have overhead irrigation, mm-hmm. I mean, they're... Try not to shear it. Yeah. yeah exactly, keep Jim. Your, keep your soil good and loose because they don't like the wet soil as well. 
Hey, let's go to a call. Good morning. It's Jamie, the Master Gardener. Good morning. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Jamie. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> oh, we're trying to make it a hard, cruel world. Look, <laughs> we're traveling, but we had a meeting last week with Dr. Cooper. Yeah. It looks like the tomato contest is go. All right. Oh, yay. <laughs> oh, get those tomatoes going, y'all. I'm just going, coming y'all. for food. I, I mean, know. <laughs> and, and I was going to say, there ought to be a new rule where, you know, for people— but, for people that bring tomatoes up to get uh, judged at the Great Tomato Contest, that the yeah. judges, whoever they are, they need to get free tomatoes for the rest of the year. You know, well, after we finish <laughs> tasting all of them, I'm not sure I want another tomato. <laughs> and, and Jamie, what's the date on? Or do you have a definitive date on that? Yeah, July the seventeenth. See, that's even. All right. Our our tomatoes have more time to get ready. Okay, if if you think about it now, we're talking about uh, this will be 67 and uh, 60 and 17. That's 77 days away. So people can grow a lot of good tomatoes. Yeah, so when you plant your tomatoes, make sure you check the date that you can get them in with four. You know, ninety days. So, yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, wow. we're just real tickled. That's we're great. Happy about it. So, well, thank you for letting yeah. us know that, Jamie. Thank you so much. Well, Everybody's out getting their tomatoes today. I yeah. bet. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, thank you, buddy. Y'all be careful traveling. We sure will, and uh, we'll be in touch with you. But anyway, I just wanted to share that news with you. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Jamie. Thank you. Yeah, that's going to be fun. And then there's also the Cooper Young Garden Walk yep. that's coming up. Are you on that one, or which one are you on? Um, well, they've asked me, but so far I haven't responded just mm-hmm. because I've had some health issues here yeah. lately. And we'll... Got to rest sometime in between there. (laughs) And just so everybody knows, there will not be an online botanic garden sales because they ain't got nothing left. Oh, wow. I I went by there. I had a lecture to do there on Thursday and um, went by the the nursery at the garden afterwards. And, um, you know, if you want tomatoes, they got Mm -hmm. a few. But (laughs) there's uh, there's just not much left. They did an outstanding job of moving through their inventory. And what about uh, tomatoes, guys? I mean, I know we only got two or three minutes before we have to go to a break, but, you know, what? everybody has to try to get a leg up on their neighbor when it comes to tomatoes. Do y'all have any surefire secrets and trade secrets that y'all want to give away? You know, just the good soil and replenish the nutrients a lot. Jim's not. He said he's not gonna get you know, his secrets I've told away. You, you know, you my tomatoes do... come from the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say if, you, if you're doing tomatoes, honestly, you want to make sure I'm the a pH. Flower grower. Yeah, yeah, you want to make yeah. sure that pH is up. You know where it needs to be. So you know, lime is a big thing when it comes to tomatoes. And don't overwater. No, and try to keep them at a constant moisture. But like you said, you don't want to go from wet to dry, dry to wet, wet to dry, dry to wet. Just a constant moisture yeah. as best you can. Well drained soil. High in organic matter, like Veda just said, um, there's a product called calcium nitrate, which is really good for blossom end rot. If you start seeing that rot on the mm-hmm. bottom of your tomato, whether it's yield booster, which is what calcium chloride, mm-hmm. and the granulated calcium nitrate, mm-hmm. uh, either one of those products are great. But I, I, what I also like to do is plant more than one variety. Uh, and, you know, a guy came in the other day and said, Kenneth, what's your three favorite tomatoes? And I said, that's almost like fighting words. Depends on who you ask, you know, because everybody's got their tomato of choice. But whether it's, uh, you know, Arkansas Traveler, Celebrity, Whopper, uh, you know, and then all the heirlooms. and of course, Cherokee gotta, Purple. Cherokee Purple. Got to throw a better boy in there. They're all good tomatoes, and you treat them all exactly the same. 
Uh, yeah, because it's kind of, it's more, that's really hard. <laughs> what am I trying to say there? That um, how to tell somebody what a, how what tomato is good, because it's all in the preference of what you want to taste. Now, I remember years and years and years ago, we turned into where where we had the tomatoes, we were selling them, and then the Versilium, Versirium, Versilium, Versilium, you know, yeah. where they started taking that out of the tomato, hybridizing that out. And uh, we were able to even have better success with the tomatoes. All right, we're going to run to a break. We'd love you to give us a call, 260-5926. You can also watch us on um, Facebook Live at Mid-South Gardening. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden. Find out more at PalladioMemphis.com on the Mighty 990 and 1079 FM KWAM. And you are listening to Mid-South Gardening right here on AM 990 and 107.9 FM. Give us a call, 260-5926, or watch us on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm, 260-5926. I did get a question on uh, Facebook uh, from Audrey, uh, and it said, Question, is too much compost a good thing or a bad thing? Yes. We're saying the bad thing, too much compost. <laughs> yes. Yes. All of the above. Go ahead, Jim. Well, okay. If, if you're mixing into the soil, the general rule of thumb is not more than 30 or 40% of new stuff to help separate your clay and let the roots grow through there. And we don't care what kind of compost you're it using. It really doesn't just matter. Just compost, yeah. yeah. Compost is not fertilizer, okay? It's a soil conditioner. It helps the microbes. But as far as food, there's virtually none of the major nutrients hold on, hold, that hold, the plant hold, needs. Let me write that down. What, quote that again. Say that again. There's virtually none of the major nutrients. Gotcha. Phosphorus flows out in the rain. If you had a compost pile, it would take it out. Uh, if it's composting, the nitrogen's being eat up by all the little microbes in there. So there's not a whole lot of what we consider plant food for them. But it, but is, a, it is food for the microbes that are in the That's right. Soil. It's a great soil conditioner. Okay. It's just not a substitute for fertilizer. Mm-hmm. But when you start exceeding 30 or 40%, you still have that clay bowl here that you've dug into. And the more loose stuff you put in there, the more water it can hold and the longer time it takes for it to, to dry out. Mm-hmm. So there's just, you don't want to overdo it. Now, as far as top dressing, you know, as long as it's not more than inch or so deep, right? Mm-hmm. you know, spread it all over the top of the ground. It's great. Yeah, because a lot of people, and Audrey, thank you for that um that text uh, a lot of people think you know the more compost i put in the soil the better my soil is going to be and like you said a while ago jim your answer was yes and yes mm-hmm. but you're right you really don't want more than 30 to 40 percent of compost any kind of compost that's true on material in that soil now compost um, on top of your soil i mean what, you can get too much too if you're putting it like five inches and it's right, up yeah. against the shrubs but you can Still put a lot of compost on top of the soil. Mm. We're just talking about when you're digging your hole and planting. You know, it's like a lot of people think here that the best way to get plants to grow is dig all that clay out, throw it away, and put something else in there. It could not be any further from the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need the clay. The particle size is good for nutrient and water retention. Um, and it's, it's good. Mother Nature likes it. Yeah. Right. yeah right. But we just don't want to plant with. in pure clay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause we sell a soil that has some topsoil mixed with it, and I sell that for people that are doing brand new beds that uh, aren't does not have any natural soil in it. Yeah. 
So, um, like a raised bed. I was telling you, yeah. yesterday I got my Lotus came in, and they sent this nice little, beautiful little book with you to tell you how to plant them and all that. And their mix is sand, clay, and compost, mm-hmm. which is exactly mm-hmm. what I buy when I buy sod mix. That's exactly what it is. Okay. So, I mean, I don't have to buy any f- different soil for it. Right. I still got a pile about this deep. Well, that's five feet for y'all that can't see <laughs> uh, in my yard, <laughs> in my driveway, where I'm using it up a little as it, it, wherever I can find a hole. Put and, it in. And really, what's the big difference? And David Hango just saying, what's the difference between lotus and and water lilies? Okay, well, lotus have the huge flowers. They stand up out of the water. Yeah. You know, depending on what size you are. And I've, this time, I got some miniatures. I got some medium heights. I got some tall ones. And there's spectacular colors that you don't traditionally see offered in retail stores unless they're a, a specialty pawn store. Um, these, like when I was at Dan West, there were a couple of companies that offered a a, a selection of plants. That yeah. You buy the whole selection. Yeah. And what they're growing are the easy Mm-hmm. They're pretty, but they're not spectacular. You know, you never saw a deep red lotus yeah. in mm-hmm. in the mix. You know, gotcha. So there's there's some really cool stuff out there. But, for, in but the why did you pick story. lotus over water lilies, though? Well, I th- think they make a better show. Okay. okay, I mean that's the only reason, right? But I've got water lilies also in another okay. tank that that. And in fact, I posted a picture. I had my first flower yesterday on a water lily, and that's the early. I don't ever remember seeing one in April before. You right. know, just barely yeah. made April. You but wouldn't even think April yeah, at all. Normally the mm-hmm. water temperature is closer to June before you yeah. really get any, but this year's been very good for, for my yeah. water plants. Wow. In April. That's yeah. fantastic. So if we can start having uh the water garden blooms <laughs> all the way to April to fall, well, there's a lot of things. They start that, slowing down September or so, usually. Yeah, right, because so. it starts cooling down and all. I love water gardens, and I really hope we can find some plants. Yeah, to, digging a to hole sell. in them though is a booger. The digging the hole, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I'll get a tank that you sit above ground, and then just pile the dirt up. I'm so it. with you on that. Yeah, let's go to David. Good morning, David. You're in the Mid South Garden. Good morning. Good hey, morning. Hey, hey, Dave. Good morning to you. Yeah, it um, it gives me um. I am sorry to inform you that my mother, who I have shared many times um, humorously, hmm. um, passed away last Wednesday. Oh, oh man, so sorry to hear that, Dave. God dang it, Dave. Yeah. Thank you. But um, for the gardeners out there, um, the last two times, two or the three of the last two times we were working on her flower bed, yeah. we wanted to pull up some weeds and I say great that would be some great exercise mm-hmm. but wait till I get over there because I got to spray the yard for weeds right and um, I didn't want her to be out there by herself so um, she took care of that and thank God she was there because I was about to pull up I was about to execute a flower right <laughs> <laughs> it happens every day David I promise you <laughs> so she stopped me and uh. um when she passed away, one other thing, the, 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 the very last thing that she did once I made it over to the house to kind of investigate mm-hmm. what was going on, we had that cold spell. Mm-hmm. So she told me I would take her flowers up. I would take some flowers outside in the house every year mm-hmm. and then take them outside. So mm-hmm. she said, look, I'm, I want to 
put some blankets over the ones that we just took outside. I said, that's fine. I mean, that's no big deal. You know, she could just do that by herself. Yeah. But as we, as I investigated it, because I, um, that my brother-in-law actually lived with their wife while he worked there. Mm. I said, well, let's see what she was doing. And we had that cold spell coming and she was actually putting plastic over the flowers in the flower bed. That was the last thing that she did on this earth. See, yeah, you know, a she was, yeah, she was a true gardener. Yes. And, and Dave, she turned Dave into one also. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, Dave, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you, buddy. Um, you know, she's in a good place. I am so sure of that. And uh, I tell you what, uh, she did pass along a lot of information to you because uh, talking to you over the years, and it all started with the real mower with me, with how you mm-hmm. used to cut the grass with that real mower. Yeah. Uh, I was always impressed. So, yeah, Dave, you, your thoughts yeah. are with us, buddy. Well, I appreciate y'all as, as usual for all the information that you've given me. In fact, the, the, the weed killer was the weed killer that I. I purchased from from your from Dan West. Yeah, that I use for along as well. So yeah, I'm sorry to to break that news to yeah. you. Um, but I just wanted to tell you that because I shared so many stories about her lawn yeah. with you guys. So. Yeah. right. Thank Y'all you. Y'all have a great day. Uh, funeral is today, so I'm getting prepared for that. And you you guys have a great morning and, and a great. Uh, Take care, Dave. Yeah, yes. Dave, back Thank at you, buddy. We'll Thank be thinking you. about you. Good day to be outside and soak up the sunshine. It yeah. always seems to help somewhat. Let's go to Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Jerry, good morning to you. Got an azalea question. Yes, sir. I've got about four or five. They haven't, they haven't bloomed this year, and they do that every year. No, oh, they have not bloomed this year? Not yet. Yeah, and then they haven't in the they, past. They always, they always do that. You know, all the others that don't bloom, then they decide to bloom. Oh, they oh, bl- they bloom okay. later. Yeah, they must be female. You're always late. No. Uh. Ooh. <laughs> Where, where's the back that up and delete that button? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're. I mean, there are some azaleas. Uh, you know, the macranthas and some of the gumpos. Yeah, the, the setsukis. The setsuki translates to fifth month, like gumpos and and mm-hmm. and those. And and they're uh, they don't bloom till May anyway. Yeah. yeah. Then uh, I got a few others. They're encores. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of maybe winter or either that or lace bugs. Yeah, they uh, I did put a drench on them around the roots, and they are seem like they're flushing out, you know, growing. Uh, but they're kind of a greenish yellow color mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What did you put around the roots? That drench or whatever you know. Oh, the fur, mm-hmm. uh, oh the systemic to yeah, keep like lace the lace bugs stuff, yeah. off and all of that, yeah. and now they're yellow. So I would say one thing to do is check the pH to see what the pH of the soil is because that could lock up nutrients, and it needs to be like 6.5. No, for Zay, it's 5.5. Five, yeah. It can even go down to 5.5. Okay. I say the same soil, everything's been done to all of it. Yeah. Well, a plant, yeah, a plant a eats soil, or a plant, you know, soil breaks down into food. And different varieties of plants or even azaleas can have different ones, and they all utilize the soil differently. So even though we've prepared it the same, 
it, each soil becomes its own little microenvironment too. And, you know, compost and all that on the soil will help because that helps break nutrients down. But with the yellow leaves now. I mean, yellow leaves can be, you know, a lack yeah. of magnesium, lack of nitrogen, mm-hmm. excessive and it can, moisture. It could just be still some uh, varietal differences from the freeze damage mm-hmm. too, you know. I had a um, a real pretty uh, southern indica that was bent over to the ground, yeah. uh, and everything that was not covered with snow died. Okay, yeah. it's one of the more tender southern indicas. So, um, you know, it's just be patient. Do stay on your fertilizer regimen. You know, do it now. Right. Do it again. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, Say that again. I use that Milorganite. Yeah, yep, great that fertilizer. That works good. I would add some more different types of organic fertilizer as well because it's kind of like us. It likes different nutrients. So Milorganite is great, but there's even like a holly tone that has a broader range of nutrients in it that would be really beneficial. I guess I need to talk to that old guy over there on Poplar Avenue someday. I'll get over there. <laughs> he knows Jerry, thank you, buddy. And also um, that, um, you know, Veda Jim, there are some uh, encores in particular where the foliage is a lighter color. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about a healthy encore. Uh, not all of them have that dark green foliage uh, that we're so used to seeing on most of these azaleas. But if you're right, if the pH is where it should be, which is typically acidic, uh, you know, five and a half, uh, 5.8, and you're feeding uh, your azaleas, and now is the time to feed them also because, you know, if you're using a uh, synthetic azalea food, you typically wait till after they bloom, uh, put the azalea food around the drip line of the azalea, come back and water it in, but they actually want you to do it once mm-hmm. a month for three months after they bloom. Yeah. And if you're using something like hollytone, like you mentioned, Veda, or uh, milorganite, like he mentioned, uh, you know, typically you do it spring, summer, and fall at least three times a year, and you can even do supplemental feedings mm-hmm. in between then. So... Yeah, make sure the pH is where it needs to be. Feeding them, I think, is really going to help, and make sure you've got good, adequate drainage because too much water, you can get some yellow leaves that way also. Right. And you can take, you can send your soil in to get your pH tested. You could go to garden centers. They can test your pH as well. And so if their pH is up to, well, okay, I said 6.5, but lower would be better, or even up to 7 and you can do all the compost and all that, but that's still not going to get that pH down quick enough or at all. So what do you want to put? The sulfur down, well, the aluminum? Aluminum well, not, sulfate yeah, aluminum or sulfate. Uh, coppers, something like that right. will help get the pH down quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, your soil's pH is really stable. It takes a yeah. lot to move it down or up either right. way. So, you know, it, the sooner you do it, mm-hmm. if your pH is out of line, the healthier and quicker and healthier your plants are going to yeah. be. Yeah, it, I wonder if it was just one azalea or a whole row yeah. of azaleas. Yeah, because you know, there can be other things going under, yeah. on under there. You could have a, a, a vole just mm-hmm. munching on that particular one. Yeah, know? this so. is true. And we then lacebug, uh, typically that you don't see active now, but, uh, you know, lacebug are those little winged insects that get on the bottom side of the leaf and just mm-hmm. suck all the green chlorophyll out of the leaf. Yeah. You know, and typically you'll see that when it starts to get hot and dry in the summertime and it makes them look really washed out but but overall i mean azaleas are pretty darn easy to grow and i always tell people you know they're real shallow rooted so you just need really good drainage don't have excessive mulch on top of the root system of these azaleas and also azaleas that get too much sun 
You can yeah. get some leaching out that way also. Right. And that's really good information from a guy who shears his plants in the fall. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, guys, Jim, thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, you know, I mentioned black spot on roses a while ago. Uh, so many people out there have roses. They love them for all the right reasons. Uh, and then here comes me and old black spot. And I just don't recall... I mean, it just seems like I'm seeing it so early, like you mentioned, in April this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, I know every year is a little different. But but what do we do, guys? If we, I don't care if you've got one rose, if you've got 100 roses out there. You start seeing black spot. What is the best course of action to keep it either in mm-hmm. check or get rid of it? Well, I'll do my version. <laughs> when I had black spot on the roses, and, again, I was doing all natural things, then I would uh, shake the rose, <laughs> get all the leaves to fall off. So you would off pick first. off as many infected leaves yeah. as you could. I don't. I haven't really gone to actually pick them. But I the just ones that are ready to, to fall, you get them off out. of there. Yeah, get the most out. I did the rose tone, compost, and liquid uh, fertilizer that's organic. But I sprayed all my foliage with it, which now I find out that's not supposed to help at all. Well. But it, it does help because it in it's the there. Soil. Yeah. yeah, it gets in the soil, too. It drips off the leaves into the soil. So there you go. Uh, you're just trying to make me feel better. Yeah. But <laughs> so, you, so, you, so you knocked off the ones, the, the infected leaves mm-hmm. that were fixing to fall off anyway. You got all those leaves off the ground. So you got yeah. it as clean as you could. Mm-hmm. You came back, make sure the pH is where it needs to be. They actually need a higher pH, you know, around 6'2 yeah. to 6'8, 6'5 being ideal. You fed them with the rose tone, you said, mm-hmm. Veda. Yeah. And then you also went back and sprayed with liquid seaweed or some yeah. one of these uh, liquid plant foods. And not only did you have beautiful roses, you're yeah. saying it also knocked out a lot of that, mm-hmm. that black spot. Right, right. And, of course, it all started in the very beginning of where you're preparing your soil properly, have your spot properly, mm-hmm. good airflow, not really up against the house, although there's a lot of roses that survive and all those negative things I just mentioned. But if you, you kind of have to, you do have to start properly because if I had planted that rose mm-hmm. in some soil that was more compacted, didn't, didn't drain, didn't, yeah, didn't do any up against the fence where there's no airflow, uh, then it would be much, much harder to con- control the black spot where you would almost have to go to a chemical to do it, yeah. and which I, I didn't want to go to do that. There's just more work in your garden and all. So I didn't want to do that. I wanted to follow this method um and then like a bit a big thing of roses like a whole rose patch mm-hmm. is it a rose patch yeah. <laughs> then um <coughs> you have a monoculture and then it makes it really perfect for all the black spot to jump from plant to plant to plant so jim what's your secrets well, with <coughs> and one, i agree with what you said Veda. Every one of the most that. important things i think is, is what she touched on there is good air movement yeah and that starts with proper pruning yeah, you know, particularly with mm-hmm. hybrid teas, which uh, are tend to be, you know, they're the really pretty, large, yeah. long stem flower. But they're also the ones. Like the ones you get for Mother's Day? Yeah. yeah. They're also the most prone to black spot, <clears> is usually. <throat> but if you're printing that thing open, I like to say, if you, you know, look at, point your fingers up and look at your palm, that's the way it should look. The upside down umbrella look. Right. Top down from the, from the, uh, to the uh, yeah view yeah. there we go there we go <laughs> you should be able to reach into the inside of your rose and pick a rose okay but all of this is for circulation that, air that, circulation that's air circulation and this is and for also, like grand grandiflores floribundas yeah any of those and then also keep a lie on the stems okay black spot mm-hmm. will harbor in the stems and you'll see little black spots on there and you see those mm-hmm. cut them out 
And remember, the harder you prune one of these roses, the better, the larger the flowers you're going to get. You know, That's it's right. not just let it go. If if you can hard prune back down low in a cane, you get a bigger cane to come out. So proper pruning is, to me, the most important thing. Okay. Of course, now a knockout rose, you're not going to be trying to do that pruning. Shrub roses are different. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that would be insane trying to do that. No, they should didn't. just be sprayed but the ground I'm still, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still have pruned big limbs mm-hmm. out of the knockouts. Mm-hmm. But if you get to the knockouts that have been <laughs> eight feet tall and growing forever, that's almost like you need a chainsaw to All cut right, them And down. I still say, and, and I agree with everything that y'all said for sure, but let's say if you do have uh, roses and you are getting a uh, outbreak of black spot, I definitely want you to go out there and, like Beta was saying, either shake the rose or pick off as many infected leaves as you can. Blower works really yeah, well. Yeah, blower. And make sure you get all those infected leaves off the ground. Get the, the bed as clean as possible. And there are fungicides that you can spray on roses. And I always tell people, you know, when you're spraying a fungicide, uh, and most of them are geared to prevent black spot. That's why we spray our roses, you know, every 10 days, two weeks, to try to prevent black spot. But invariably, with weather conditions and how we plant them and, you know, other factors, typically we get black spot at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a fungicide in particular called Mancozeb. Mancozeb, I believe, is one of the better curative fungicides that you can buy for roses. Uh, and I always tell people, you know, clean them up, rake them up off the ground, get the mancozeb, spray, wait five days, spray again, and honestly wait five days and spray a third time. Spray three times in succession with mancozeb, and then you can go back to your preventative again. Um, and then some rosarians would tell you, no, alternate your fungicides. Don't use the same fungicide over and over. They want you to use a, uh, a combination of fungicides, just alternating. So but, that's why I go organic and I pick my stuff because look how many times you just told me to spray. Well, yeah, have mercy, I don't have time for all that. Yeah, and, so. and, and and you know if if you're going the organic way and that's working for you, I say do that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. do it. If you're doing the organic way and for whatever reasons you don't get enough sun, you get overhead irrigation, you don't have good air circulation. Don't leave the rose there. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if you do, you know you're getting black spot. Uh, then these chemical sprays uh, they definitely help you know control black they spot. They do. They do. And I agree some, with you uh, that. Yeah. What's the one the bears got that's actually a drench? with a fungicide is the uh, the, th- the all-in-one yeah so that you actually don't have to spray if 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 you're concerned about yeah. spraying pollinators and that sort of thing you can just it's just I'm like the insecticide drench you just pour it around the base i'm yep. concerned about the water hose getting loose and spraying myself yeah but, but, but <laughs> that's there, that's how i do it <laughs> but i agree with with jim also i mean you don't have to spray there's the fertilome two-in-one and the uh, bayer all-in-one yeah Uh, that you just mix and pour, and they say you don't have to do it, but, uh, you know, every six weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But all of those help control black spot. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying you're going to control every leaf on that rose. You'll always have some black spot out there, but there are things Mm -hmm. that we can do as gardeners to help prevent black spot. Well, it seems like I recall that, um, seems like I recall this happened in the Botanic Gardens a long time ago, where... There was a rose garden, and it was just sprayed with so many, like, dacanil and all that so much that it actually had killed the soil, and they had to take it all out and replant it. You heard that before? I mean, no, I heard that I that happened, like, 25 years ago, hmm. and I'm thinking, who just told me that? Is that really true? Because, you know, I know the chemicals and all <coughs> can basically sterilize the microorganism in the soil but if they're if you're adding compost and all mm-hmm. that then, then they come back 
they worked their way back. So apparently, because the soil was dead, the roses had starved, and and it was because of just spraying too much. No. Which I which I understand that can happen, but I just can't see that happen at the botanic gardens because they're always renewing soil and all. So anyway, we're going to take a break, and y'all can give us a call, 260-5926, and you can watch us on Facebook Live. We'll be right back. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden. Find out more at PalladioMemphis.com. On the Mighty 990, with your hosts, Vader Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back to Mid South Gardening. We're here on our second hour, and well, this is our uh, this is we complete one year, I think, as of today. Next is it week today? will be our one year anniversary. Did not know that. That's yep, amazing. Jim. I feel mm-hmm. like we just started over here. Yep. Yep. Wonderful. So y'all can watch us on Facebook Live, and uh, we'll take all kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. If you uh, anything, if you want to just talk about it, remember there is no. Dumb question, and what did Jim say? There's maybe dumb answers. Yeah. <laughs> well, dumb no answers to great questions question. on, on this program. But, <laughs> but, but if yeah. you want to give us a call, guys, 260-5926. 260-5926, and like Veda said, you can always go to Facebook, Mid-South Gardening, uh, and see us live right. and shoot us a text or go back later on and listen to the podcast. So let's see. We're taking care of all the insect problems this morning. Not we all of them. should be done with that. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> I again, mean, done with that for good, right? Well, because there's a problem. Is it a problem that, you know, the big locust or cicada? Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's not a problem. They don't eat anything. It's just come so out. loud. So it's loud. So, I haven't heard any yet. I hadn't yet, but it's going to be a huge year for yeah, them. This will be a big year. Um, but it just, soil temperature has to get up to about 58 degrees but, or so. But should people be wary and and regretting the day that they ever saw a locust or a cicada well you know i'm they're not one of my favorite tunes to listen to <laughs> but it's, but that's it they're not eating yeah, everything up right, out there. right no. No. no well you know it's we always wonder why there's so many locusts that come out at one time and i've read that it's like a survival method that if you just overpopulate oh, yeah. with so many of one thing, like all the frogs and everything, just eat till they can't eat anymore. <laughs> so then that allows more to survive so they can keep repopulating. It's kind of like the, the school of fish that you see in the ocean, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're safety in numbers. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. And there's going to be a bunch of them this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, I was uh, watching something on the news the other night, and they said they can have uh, a decimal uh, you know, of like over a hundred oh. millibars, whatever it was, yeah. but it was almost like the sound of a jet taking off. And I'm like, mm-hmm. my God, are we going to be able to sleep at night with these things? Well, you know, when I hear them, I'm like, here comes summer. And when we were growing up, living out in the country, you know, you'd really hear them. Just, just it's music to your ears. And but that was also a sign of schools getting out. Um, yeah. it's getting Summer's time on the for way, summer. Yeah. yeah, so it's always comforting. Uh, just because it's a normal, a normal thing to hear that. Now, are they actually cicadas or are they locusts? No, they're cic- they're cicadas or cicadas. Um, the a locust is actually a grasshopper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're the ones, and they're the ones that eat, that eat everything eat up. Everything. Yeah, yeah. And see, that's bizarre. Why did we start calling them locusts if they're cicadas? Well, I mean, it why was do probably... they call football what they do over in England? Yeah, football. This is true. <laughs> Just something yeah. that somebody commonly names, yeah. and then it sticks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So uh, we don't have to worry about the locusts just devastating all of our landscape. We're not come out, and we're not going to come out and just see stems. Well, you might uh, have to worry about locusts doing it, but you don't have to worry about the cicadas doing it. Right, that's right. Uh, that's right. I got to get, uh, I got to get on board here because it's just a natural thing to say. And you're right, but we've been talking about insects in general uh, and diseases. Uh, and you know, we mentioned about the black spot on roses. Now, what about guys? The black spot on English ivy, because a lot of people have English ivy out there. Beautiful beds of English ivy, and they'll see that ivy just start to disappear. Uh, and I'm not saying it's only because of fungal activity, but there are different fungi and bacteriums that can affect English mm-hmm. ivy. What do we do? Well, to me, it's, it's the really only good answer is, is a spray. Yeah. You know, to help control it. I mean, um, does it, you know, there again, we see irrigation a lot of times can be, you know, the best thing. Soil moist. You've got yeah. a lot of decomposing tissue that's harboring the spores mm-hmm. up underneath the, the ivy, mm-hmm. which is ver- impossible to clear out. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you blow all day long and try to yeah. rake and it's just, you can't yeah. get it out of there. I think, you know, just spraying is about your only option. That's uh, so unless difficult. Unless you can trim something to get more light on it, mm-hmm. you know. That's a difficult choice because I would want to naturally just cut it all back and let it start over. But you see it beautifully mm-hmm. hanging in, in certain areas that you're thinking, I just can't, I just cannot cut it back. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you do have to spray. And then, of course, I'm going to fertilize. I, I like to use in, in the um, English ivy that has the black spot and all of that, like a liquid humic, mm-hmm. humate. Uh, or even a granule humate, just adding more so of something to the soil. And and the only way to get it through to the soil is with granule. Yeah, yeah. you can get, I mean, you can get humic acid, uh, mm-hmm. liquid or granulated. And then, of course, you can feed it with something like milorganite or there's a lot of good fertilizers. But I'm like, Jim, I'd still go out there uh, and spray. Uh, and, you know, probably in this case, I, 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 you know, daconil is always a really good spray. Mm-hmm. Liquid copper uh, is another really good spray in case it is a bacterium. And, and not a fungal pathogen, but uh, just be aware because I've already seen a lot of it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it seems like we've had a lot of rain, uh, you know, even yeah. though we're below. Mm-hmm. Well, I still, I think I saw the other night, we're still above normal. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, the excessive moisture can bring a lot of this on And also. then it's coming along, too, next week. It's supposed to rain a lot, too. So, but but don't here we go. Yeah, you know, I mean, don't think that you, you know, need to run for the hills. I mean, there are things you can do. Uh, you know, try to get, create a little more light mm-hmm. sometimes if you can, maybe thin a few limbs out uh, to help with the drying process. You don't have as much moisture like Jim was talking about on that foliage. Spray with a good fungicide or something like copper and then do like Veda, put some humic acid and some uh, fertilizer down and it should be fine. I'm telling you, if you do that, it should be yeah. okay. We hope so because it's so beautiful. And um, the creeping fig, I haven't seen that coming back at all. And, uh, at As the uh, um, lecture I did this week, that was one of the questions I asked to them. Have mm-hmm. a lot of them had had creeping fig in the past? Mm-hmm. You know, comes back every year, yeah. but none of them had seen it coming back so far. I had neither. Mm-hmm. So I think this may be the year where it it went totally all the way back. Totally got it. Yeah, yeah because you know, it's, it's a been, zone nine plant. Yeah. it's not yeah. supposed to live here. Yeah, right, but, right. But and we've been getting away with it. But it's a great little. You put it at the base of a south-facing wall where Mm -hmm. it stays warm throughout the winter and you seldom if ever get that soil to freeze up right by the wall it's done quite well here yeah oh i love the creeping fig too so i'm glad we've tried that too okay we've got a couple of minutes to a break let's head over to chris good morning chris you're in the mid-south garden 
Good morning. I've uh, Googled the uh, question to I'm putting weeds or moss into my compost pile. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, anything you put in a compost pile will compost down into compost. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in theory, like the compost is supposed to get so hot that it that it makes the weed seeds unviable too. But as does long our as they haven't been sprayed with yeah. any herbicide, I have no issue with putting mm-hmm. anything in there. Right. Yeah. I've yeah. always put whatever in there. When it comes to plant material like that, Chris, uh, whether it's uh, you know stuff that you're cutting off plants or whether it's weeds you're pulling out of the ground or out of the beds, uh, yeah, you can throw that in your compost pile. Uh, and if it's composted down correctly, uh, where you do you know have a good bit of heat generated in that compost pile, like Veda was saying, you know, a lot of times that will even kill the weed seed. Uh, that potentially you're throwing in that pile also. So, yeah, not a problem, bud. Okay, good. Thank you very much. You're hey, welcome. Thanks for calling. Thanks in for this calling. Yes, mm-hmm. and turning, turn your pile. The more you turn it, the faster it composts. Right. When you put green stuff in, you need to mix that with the brown stuff that's up underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? exactly. And uh, I've always put kitchen scraps and everything in there. It was, well, it was no also kind of fun, you know, when you're... My son was growing up and teaching him all that stuff. And when they're younger, they love to take all the stuff out to the compost pile. Mm-hmm. But, of course, as they get older, there goes your help. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, it's still in their soul. Yeah. Gardening is still in their soul. So when they get like Jim and plant the entire house with everything you could possibly have in the garden. And it <laughs> just started. <laughs> my botanical garden? Yeah, your botanical <laughs> garden, all the way to the water garden. Well, I love it. And I that's why it. compost is so important, though, whether it's homemade compost. And I tell people every day, I don't care what kind of compost you use, as long as you're using compost. And like Jim said a while ago, compost is not, quote, fertilizer, because Mother Nature is composting a lot of that stuff out of there as mm-hmm. you compost to make compost, right? Right. Uh, but it is a great soil amendment, and it is a wonderful food for all the microbes that are in the soil. And you got to have active microbes to have active soil. Exactly. So. All right, let's run away for a minute. We'll be right back. The Mighty 990 KWAM and Mighty990.com. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Beta with Palladio, Kenneth with Dan West, and Jim who does the wonderful garden group page, which Mid- is... Mid-South Gardening, gardening in USDA zone 6, 7, and 8. It really is a great webpage, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm so impressed with that. I, I, I'm serious. Right. I, mean, I like it. Anytime I, like it. Um, you know, I get on Facebook, which I hardly ever do, but when I do... I see these wonderful pictures and these questions, and I mean, it's just a man. It's just, it's just a wealth of information on this web page, Jim. So well done. It is. What I like is you you can't like copy and paste, post yeah, what that, someone else says. Yeah, that, and then that's the non record. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're, but, we're about conversation between gardeners. That's right. it. Like we're doing right now. You know, I, I, you have these people who want to go and look up something for somebody else, and they've never grown it. They know nothing about it, but they think that this information is right and may or may not be well if you read it on the internet it's right isn't it oh yeah oh absolutely yeah so, anyway. that's why we're such great gardeners <laughs> yeah. because we, we had a question about my garden from you did from audrey it says jim have a question for jim uh i saw pics of your garden why not mulch you know question mark uh you just left leaves which to me looks unfinished <gasps> so what's yeah good okay way to All go right. audrey got there a are a deep um, breath for this one yeah when you walk around my garden you'll find a couple of things okay first all of the raised beds are mulched okay 
The now, area are, is, hmm? there's a reason behind that, maybe. Yes, basically to help keep the soil where it is. Oh, okay? I just thought and it was because it was the easier to down And keep the soil temperature moderated because this, the raised beds will heat, uh, heat and yeah. cool faster. Yeah. Um, and, and, and any area that's unimproved soil, uh, particularly par- older parts of my garden where um, I just planted a camellia, did site preparation. I've left leaves on most of those so they can slowly build a little topsoil on it. Because I don't want to dump soil back in on top of the roots. More of a naturalized right. area. Okay. And then I have a huge amount of large new areas that I'm creating now that have nothing on them at all and won't probably until fall. Now, is there a mulch in particular that you do or don't like? Oh, uh, no, I think any mulch is fine. I like cypress because of the light color. Okay. A lot of people like the dark color. Right. But to me, it adds something to, I grow a lot of color, okay, yeah. and it adds something to it to have that lighter background. Yeah. And just to me, it's and, just a personal And preference. I've used Cypress forever, and then uh, last year I, I did use a little uh, darker uh, mulch. In fact, I think it was a colored pine bark mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, I love the Cypress yeah. as well. And, it, and, you know, and I like it too, but mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go back to Cypress, which is yeah. that lighter natural look. And a lot of people yeah. don't like that. Yeah. They like that yeah. that darker, you know. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it says Cypress blend because if you look, you'll see pallets, you know, that have been ground up and put in there. And the, the ones that have the, the returnable pallets that are sprayed blue, right. you'll see chunks of blue right. stuff in there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not all Cypress, but I like the way it looks. And mm-hmm. also, there appears to be a fungus that grows in it that mats it together. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I have to go out there every now a and then. A good fungus, Jim, not a bad fungus. No, no it's, a bad, yeah, it's yeah. not a bad, it's, it, but it also helps keep weeds down because mm-hmm. I'll have spider lilies push up a chunk of mulch, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. it's all matted together and I have to go out there and break it up, you know. So, um, but I, you know, I just, just lo- now, I like, and, and it's usually cheap. And in the areas where you let the leaves just drop, like mm-hmm. Audrey was talking about. Uh, I mean, will you ever do anything different there, or do you even have a Probably, reason to do anything different yeah, there? Pr- well, no, not unless I can just do a little site preparation. You yeah. Know? Plus, I have box turtles that run around my garden, and they like to lay their eggs in unimproved soil, you know, better than they do mm-hmm. in the elevated beds. Yeah, okay. so you're doing these things that I really love, where you're still creating habitats right. for the wildlife because they're going to be there. So if you create a habitat, then they can hang out there and not in your other areas. Right. Yeah, so that that's part that's part of the uh, cycle of nature. That you could even consider that in a organic way. You calling me organic? My yeah. hush your mouth, woman. <laughs> I know. I did. I called your yard organic because we know. It is. I, has, I exactly. Spray, we know that I you. spray very little. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually it's just to help prevent some mosquitoes yeah. from eating my wife. Yeah, 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 so that's but that's nice. I have such a diverse garden. Mm-hmm. I don't have other than hostas, and I've got quite a few camellias. Where, and I do occasionally get a little T-scale yeah. on the lower limbs. <coughs> but, you know, I, I don't have to spray because yeah. there's just not large mm-hmm. populations of any one plant for the insects to get into. And, and, all right, and then what about snails and slugs, y'all? I've well. had a lot of people already this year. Um, you know, just complaining about snails and slugs. Uh, I have almost no issue. Because you got turtles out there, right. too. I have turtles, yeah, but and then out front where yeah. you know, I do uh, use some of the um, the natural uh, slug iron phosphide. Iron, iron phosphide that you just sprinkle out there. It's like a fertilizer. It doesn't yeah. hurt anything, kids, children. It's as yeah. safe as it can be. 
So well, um, and that and I agree with that because you know, not many years ago we used what metaldehyde, metal or measurol. Yeah, and and those were extremely toxic products. And to me, but the broad problem was they looked like dog food. Yeah, and you put them out there as a slug bait, and here comes Mister Little Dog, and you know they're licking this stuff mm-hmm. up, and next thing you know, you don't have a dog. So uh, the slug baits on the market now are completely safe, like you were just talking about. Uh, they are baits. You know, they do a really good job in getting rid of uh, snails and slugs. But, you know, it made me think back to wet leaves mm. yeah. and, and, and yeah. mulch areas. You know, they love to get up mm-hmm. under there and kind of hide in there. And then they come out and eat your hostas and petunias and everything else. But anyway, so if you're having a problem with snails and or slugs, uh, the iron phosphide, which is what's in these natural slug baits, do a really good job. Yeah, and mm-hmm. if you had a lot of uh, leaves and things that were under your hostas, if just clear those out mm-hmm. to open the, uh, take the moisture out. Also, you would probably expose some slug eggs, which the birds will really enjoy. So there's some things that you can do t- to prevent, but you know the sluggo is still good. Yeah, yeah. Because and if you if you, you can't if you're on it. the group, look in our file section. There's a, a huge file on hosta, mm-hmm. and it not only gives you some brief descriptions of the varieties, but it tells you which ones are slug resistant, which ones are sun tolerant, and which ones are fragrant. Speaking of hostas, I I literally at first thought Jim was uh, pulling my leg with the name of the hostas. Oh, remember that Jurassic? What one was Jurassic Park? Park. I'm thinking, how do I not see a hosta named Jurassic Park? Yeah, Komodo Dragon. Komodo Dragon, and then the other one in that bed is. like humpback whale, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 humpback whale. And I'm thinking, yeah. really? I don't think I've ever seen those for sale on an availability. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. See, these are these are all some that when I was with Dan West, we were growing. Yes. Because you know, we would grow 125 or so varieties each year. I miss you growing. I miss the, growing. The different varieties. Well, and, all. and I've always said hosta people are fanatics. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. And, you know, anytime there was this big hosta sale, I've always said you don't want to be the first one in line because you're going to get st- just stomped on if you're not running faster than the guys behind you. But they're, uh, and, I, and I love hostas. It's one of the best shade perennials to me that you can get your hands on. They don't really have a whole lot of bloom, even though they do bloom. We're not planting them out there really so much for the bloom. But those those textures and the and, and the colors so, that you get. So many different variations to add color into a dark garden. But, but, I was, but, but the slugs do love to munch on them, yeah. so keep that in mind. The blues are pretty good about being slug resistant. They just don't much care for the, the really blue ones. So that's a good place to start if you're interested. Mm. Well, maybe go. the blue one's leaves are tougher than the others. I, I'm sure they just it. don't taste yeah. as good. Mm-hmm. Well, that I've could be it. it too. You have, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I like the sluggo. That's one of one of them that are good then, for the slugs. And then I know you've also used diatomaceous earth, mm-hmm. the same product you were talking about in the first hour beta yeah. for fleas and ticks. Uh, diatomaceous earth is just a white powder. It's, it's just microscopic diatoms from the ocean. It's like little bitty shells yeah. that you're sprinkling out there. No razor just, blades that slash Yeah, and bodies. I just love Slippers the idea. Of love yeah. the idea of that of just killing those little buggers that way. But uh, it gets you can in their also, joints and sucks their guts out. Yeah, is that, that not cool or that what? Is just, <laughs> thank you. I wanted to say that. As he jumps it's better up and down, coming from you. As he jumps up and down in the mud puddle, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, diatomaceous earth and or the slug baits or both, uh, they really help protect those uh, those hostas. So. Oh, yeah. And the hostas are beautiful where uh, there's so many colors, like you said, that 
I can't ever decide which I like. I like them grouped together mm-hmm. with like yours, like you had. Or then I like all the same colors grouped in um, different little areas through your garden. Normally, I don't like them as a border, but the Francis, that's green and Francis, white. Yeah. Yeah. Francis. yeah, I like that one all across the base with boxwoods behind it. You know, there are just it. as many hostas good. out there as there are paint swatches. And when you start looking mm. at them, you'll just, your head will spin, I'm telling you. Well, the Komodo Dragon, the Jurassic Park, and all those sounds so interesting. Komodo Dragon is really cool because when the light hits it, it mm-hmm. has a purple sheen to it. There it's, you go. It's absolutely spectacular. All right. I'm hey, we're gonna, we are going to talk about some container garden ideas and uh, do's and don'ts when we come back here shortly. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Stay with us. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden. Find out more at PalladioMemphis.com on the Mighty 990 and 1079 FM KWAM. I love this music. Good morning. I know what he's doing. Thank you, Jim, are bouncing around here, dancing like... Can't they, help it ain't it. pretty, but I can do it. Uh, right. Can't, just can't help it. I know. You know, it's like I remember when I was growing up and I'd look at older people and go, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Just don't do that. And then you're doing then, exactly what you're telling them I'm, not, and I'm not to do. I'm hating uh, it. <laughs> if you want to give us a call this morning, guys, 260-5926, 260-5926. And, of course, like we always say, you can go to Facebook Live, the Mighty 990 uh, Mid South Gardening, and take a look at us there. Shoot us a text, and then you can always go back later on if you miss it and listen to the podcast. But Jim, you wanted to talk about container gardening yeah, and, a little bit. And what is the definition of container gardening? Well, just growing something in a pot instead of where it should be in the ground. <laughs> uh, right, <laughs> okay. but it's so easy <laughs> instead of where it should be. <laughs> yeah, Lena. right. I got that. Yeah. But it's so easy. It yeah, is easy, but there's some things that you ought to consider doing when you're thinking about if you're buying pots or all this. First of all, think about buying light-colored pots, okay? that Well, will, a lot of times that doesn't go with the motif that people want you. But it will also keep your soil temperature 10 to 15 degrees cooler, which for a lot of plants makes a world of difference. What about as far a thick as, concrete black? It's still going to absorb heat. And so, hold it, I guess, yes. which will mm-hmm. be worse. Well, dead gum it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, so so lighter pots, uh, lighter the soil pots. temperatures are going to be cooler right. to start M- off with. Make sure that your plant is not going to outgrow your pot. You mm. know, if a plant is six inches tall when you buy it, chances are it's going to get bigger. All right. <laughs> so, and if you're only buying a four inch pot to put it in because it matches the plant, it's not a good plan. Okay. Uh, think a little bit. Give the roots, you know, because. Remember, 70% of that plant's going to be underground, right? So you need to make sure there's plenty of room for it. Grouping your plants is always a good idea, too, because the pots will and the plants will shade each other so that they don't get blasting hot sun all day, so they get half a day that way well, by grouping them. Yeah, and I agree with what you're saying. And I, and but I like he that. doesn't because no, he goes speak up. No, I do because I like that, <laughs> even like that look better. But let's say, you know, a lot of people, let's say you've got a pool in your backyard. Uh, and you've got the uh, the containers out there on the deck, okay, uh, or the concrete pad, whatever. And a lot of times you'll see these beautiful, big, blooming hibiscus, for example, in those containers, Jim. Uh, because people, you know, they like that tropical look. They love the bloom. And it kind of goes with that pool setting, if you will. So it's not like you have to have different plants in one container. Uh, you can have an individual plant and, and, and love it. But... As long as you have the right plant, 
for the right amount of sunlight, I would say, right? Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, you're okay. Well, that's uh, right. Yeah. Right, but by having pots grouped together, you can keep the soil temperature much cooler because it's only hitting that pot half oh. a day. From oh, pots see, I was talking about talking about the plants yeah. in the pot. Okay. Put words in my mouth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. You just, just left a word out. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to put it. <laughs> and then, uh, don't you think it's also very important? I think the most important thing, other than picking out the right plant for the right spot, is the type of soil you put in that pot, Jim. Always buy a good potting soil. And that's, in fact, uh, <clears throat> Tim Van Horton and I talked about this yesterday morning. If you're spending $2.97 for your bag of potting soil, mm-hmm. it's the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it's not costing you 12 15 bucks a bag, right. you got the wrong potting and, soil. And you're not saying that just to get people to spend that money. No. You're, getting, you're telling us it because why waste your time trying to plant a $50 plant in a $0.10 cent potting soil. Exactly. It's just not going to work. Right. You know, the other thing also, or some tricks you can do, you know, if you're going to have a plant that's going to be in a large pot, you don't have to put soil all the way to the bottom of that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. What <clears throat> I suggest you do is just buy a couple of bags of pine bark nuggets. They're cheap. Mm-hmm. Throw them in the bottom there and let your soil go on top of it. Some of it will wash down through there, but mm-hmm. not much. And you'll make it so much lighter. You know, I hear people wanting to save uh, water bottles and throw in there, yeah. you know. Yeah. Why? Well, okay. that's a good way to recycle. Oh, that, yeah, that's right. probably you one know, of them. Coke cans. But for six bucks, I can fill a really large pot with pine bark. Yeah. Right. Which would break down into soil eventually. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and then, well, go ahead. I got a question for you when you're done. Okay, and then make sure that you're fertilizing on a regular basis, okay, from March mm-hmm. through October. Because you're flushing. Yeah. Every time you water, part of your nutrients goes out the bottom because mm-hmm. even in the best quality potting soils, they don't hold on to that gravity, and water will pull that right down out of your soil. So make sure that you're using a quality fertilizer, no cheaply made stuff like Miracle Grow. That is, you know, that's gonna it's you're gonna get soluble salt buildup in it. And if you're doing it year after year, I mean, you know, get a good quality fertilizer. I mean, there's some granules, there's some liquids. You know, go to your gardening experts at your locally independent garden center, and they will point you in the right direction. All right now, what about um, is there a type of pot that you prefer? Whether it's a nice, beautiful plastic pot, and there's some really good-looking plastic pots there on are, the market now. Yeah. And then you've got your glazed ceramic pots. You've got mm-hmm. your typical clay, the Italian clay, the concrete. There's so many different pots out there, Jim uh, and Veda. Is there you know, is there a preference, or do you just go with, hey, what looks good for you? That's I'm right. fine with it. That's right. I've got some <laughs> glazed pots that, you know, are kind of colorful that I like a lot. Now, if you leave them out in the wintertime, mm-hmm. they'll usually fall apart in a couple of years. And what about the old uh, notion that a lot of people say that plants grow better in clay than they do plastic because clay is porous? You know, you get some air movement through mm-hmm. there. and That's um, a, probably a true statement about it being more porous, but right. I have never been able to see any da- okay. difference yeah, in the growth. Okay, yeah. so you're fine with the nice-looking plastic yeah. pot also. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And there are some people. Now, obviously, plastic, most of it's going to break down in three to five years. Right. But that's okay. I mean, your mm-hmm. color's going to fade out. gives you not you buy new ones. And, and this is the, I'm fixing to bring this up again because, you know, I had people throwing rocks at me because I quoted what he said, okay? Oh. <laughs> is, you know, when Jim was talking about containers, how he said, you know, that, and it was one of those myths or misnomers where, Jim is not this big believer that you have to put a uh, rock or whatever in the bottom of the pot. Uh, and does that include big pots also, Jim? As long as you've got drainage in the pot, in the hole, right. a drainage hole, and it doesn't get 
Only time, only time I put rocks in the bottom is if I'm afraid the pot's going to walk away at night, mm-hmm. you know? And I drop your 50-pound bag in there. You don't even have to open the bag. But Just what about for drainage purposes, though? Don't we want to put a layer of rock it down there? Help. It doesn't help. makes it worse. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can explain this to you, you so you can gonna, picture it. You just it. don't want to accept it, do right. you? Okay. And that's okay. L- let's say you're Well, salt. no, I'm just never going to quote him again because people were ready to oh. choke me. Oh, absolutely. Quoting what he said. Absolutely. If, okay, think about your soil now. Okay. when If you've got a pot full of soil... And you water it, water's going to go down there, and it, at the very bottom, that soil is going to be holding 100% of the water than it can. Yeah. If it had any more, it would go on out the hole. That's right. Okay. okay. Now, as you come up in the layers of soil, it's drier because gravity has pulled it down. So it's drier it, at the top of the pot than it is at the right. bottom. And it gets to the point where there's enough cohesion to hold the water uh-huh. as you get higher in the pot. I got it. All right. Now... If you put four inches of rock in the bottom, which I've been told to do all my life, you just push that wettest layer up four inches. Okay, now your soil's right there, and that's the wettest layer. It's still in the pot, it's still at the bottom, okay? But you lost the four inches at the top that were the driest. Okay, so I push my water table up in my pot. Right, so your ratio of water to soil is higher now than it was prior. Uh, and what you all you've done is just raise that up. And the more shallow that soil is, the wetter it's going to be. Closer to the top. Right. And that's the, why, in my root system. That's so, why Japanese use very shallow, very wide pots for most bonsai. Because it dries slower than it does if it's deep. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. It's, so it's counterintuitive, been, but it's... So it's basically sucking the water out. But as out, my shirt says, like, it, it is science. It's science. So it's basically sucking the water out up through the soil, like a, like um, like in a pond or, or water where you put like a uh, cotton string. Yes. And it pulls it out. It wicks it out to the top. Now, in the summertime, that would be awesome. That's your reservoir of extra water. And then it can just wick it back up and... Keep moistures, and that gets you a day. Well, I think more than anything is you better make sure you've got good drainage in these containers. Uh, Some pots have no drainage holes in them whatsoever, and people think that they can grow plants in there. And some, you know, you might get away with it, maybe. But the pot looks great, but it doesn't have drainage holes. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, that's a really hard place to grow anything. So if you've got really good drainage, and, and, and I surely don't mind putting like a flat coffee filter or something over that drain hole before I put my soil in there and plant, because I want to make sure that that drain hole does not get plugged up for any reason. And you'll be amazed how easy they get plugged up with soil. No, yes, all that's the time. So true. Just the roots will block, block it. Yeah. Sometimes it creates a seal as well. Okay, we're going to run to another break, and we will be right back after these messages. The Mighty 990, 107.9 FM, 990 AM, KWAM. <laughs> good morning, good morning, We'd be dancing back. again. Woo! Yeah. Oh, Lord. Wait, what's this one? Oh, there we go. We're better. See, that? that's what you do when you garden is put in music like that. You can just be dancing. Oh, no, not if you're trimming hedges. Then you're cutting messing everything You can everything shovel up. to the beat. Okay. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening, and uh, I did have a couple people text in a question. Rebecca texted one in, and Susan Powell texted one in. Rebecca Maddox says, uh, I've got a lavender tree. Um, Can I keep this in a large pot? It should have been a smaller pot. And so a lavender tree, guys, what are we talking about? Well, at first I thought you meant a lilac, but now I'm hearing. Yeah, there's um, particularly seen in some of the um, mass merchandisers a grafted lilac 
lavender. Uh, and lavender. Sorry. Shrub, <laughs> lavender plant. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's tree form, basically, okay. that they've done. So um, it's whatever size pot it's in. We'll go up to like the next size. Yeah, up. two inches max. Yeah, or maybe know. two sizes. Do you think up. that graft yeah. will freeze in the winter? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it yeah. would have to okay. be protected during the winter time. Yeah. All right, so if you've got a lavender tree mm-hmm. that's this that's grafted tree formed lavender uh, and i've seen them also jim uh, and if it's in a 12 inch pot you either want to go to a 14 inch yeah. you know and or if it's in a eight inch pot you go to a 10 or 12 inch pot yeah. so you don't want to go to a much bigger right. pot than the pot size it's wanna, in now. you know probably every other year mm-hmm. think about repotting it but they're if going you can keep it alive that long yeah, that, <laughs> that's the real important part right there but good <laughs> drainage is uh, paramount when it comes to yeah, to lavender to lavender yeah. uh susan powell and thank you for that rebecca uh susan powell texted and said um she had a, a big mandevilla plant uh, that they, of course, they brought into the house uh, in the wintertime. They put it out now that the temperatures are above 55 degrees, which is great. Uh, it's just now, you know, time to get them out there. Uh, last year, it was full of beautiful blooms. Do I need some fertilizer to encourage it to bloom again? If so, what fertilizer do you recommend? Mm-hmm. So, like a lot of tropicals, people will bring them in in the wintertime. You know, they suffer inside the house. They never look that good, typically, mm-hmm. inside the house. We take them back out this time of year that we're done with frost and cold weather. They'll start flushing back out, but we also want that bloom. Right, right. So, of course, I'm going to go with the compost and the plant tone or the flower tone, you know, for the phosphorus, for the more blooming, because plant tone's pretty even across the board. Worm castings has always been my favorite. I was going to say, is that your compost of choice? to layer Mm. on the top, especially for containers. Earth worm castings? Yep. That's another one I say backwards. So uh, your earthworm castings. Full it, of nutrients. I'm not going to let you bring another thermos in here where I don't know what's oh, in that. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Look, I can't <laughs> even. <laughs> so so uh, flower tone, is, which is a yeah. dry fertilizer, mm-hmm. and then a light, what, covering Veda on the yeah. top dressing of earthworm castings. Right. And then liquid fertilizer like <clears throat> a Fox Farm. Big Bloom and any of those. Right, all of that. Because I'm feeding a lot in the container. I'm trying to anyway. Um, another thing we were talking about containers and grooving plants and plants and the type of pots and all that, uh, mm. example of what I'm going to try to do here. I have a pot, not try to, yeah, try to do, I have a pot that's fairly large, but I want to grow an elephant ear in it and I want my elephant ear to be large. So in order for that to happen outside of water fertilizer, <clears throat> I mean, really large, I can't plant anything else in that container. Because I don't want that stuff to steal the nutrients, steal the water. Mm. I want as much possible as that elephant ear to get large. Mm. But there's that bare soil. How can I not put a plant in there? You know, there's all that. Well, extra you get that bare soil initially, but, but I mean, then it'll grow beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. So that way, I don't have to water as intensely. <laughs> All the time until the summertime comes, but I feel like I can well, get sedums are your answer. There. Oh, I have got wonderful, yes, little I've dwarf got a... sedums that just barely cover the ground and yeah. they need virtually no water, and they're not taking much I'll away do from that there. because I have a pot with full of sedum. So if I take that sedum, put it in the elephant ear, <gasps> that gives me an extra pot. Can you tell I'm in a restricted space? I know, so yeah, we can, yeah, you know, rearrange. I think about. 
not not using pots. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to fill every single one that I've got. Yeah, you know, put yes. something in there. You know, Especially and I'm slapping you, you know little calabrocoas uh-huh. into a pot that's really too small. Yeah. But you know, yeah. but I want it in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. exactly. Well, Same and, way. And going back to to Susan's question about her, you know, tropical. Uh, you know, eventually you'll have to bump these tropicals up to a little bigger pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't want them too root bound. Uh, nothing grows great that I know of that if it's completely yeah. root bound. Uh, but you mentioned beta putting a light layer of compost on the soil to help rebuild the soil uh, using a fertilizer uh, like the, mm-hmm. the flower tone uh, that has a good bit of phosphate in there yeah. for the bloom. And then you mentioned a, a water soluble plant food like the big bloom, uh, you know, that's by Fox Farm, which are great mm-hmm. products. Uh, and then, Jim, you had mentioned something like Osmocote. Osmocote. You know, you, know yeah. you can get Osmocote uh, and just sprinkle the little beads in there, uh, and the, it'll feed it for the next, you know, three to four months. So there, there are a lot of good fertilizers that we can use. But I'm still saying, I'm like mm-hmm. Beta and you, Jim, if I'm using a granulated fertilizer, I don't care which one, whether it's Osmocote, Flower Tone, whatever, I'm still going to come back and use a water-soluble plant yeah, food every two or three too. weeks just as my, as my supplemental feeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in containers, you really have to fertilize and water a lot. I was giving a talk at uh, the Palladio Garden Cafe, or right by it, because they were teaching people how to um, do pots, plant pots. And so one of the things that I talked about was the soil, for one, and, um, geez, I just forgot what the other one. I'm so glad that happens to somebody other than me. It just went away. Well, but you were talking about how important <laughs> beta it is. And we talked about this earlier, how important it is to use a good quality soil uh, in our containers. That was it. You know, we just can't use a topsoil or a garden soil to grow things in containers for the most right. part. Well, what was surprising to a lot of people in the talk is when I explained to them, you need to water in the summertime in a container in the full sun. Sometimes, th- uh, you know, two times a day, a yeah. lot of times, and hanging baskets can be three times a day or maybe even four. And so uh, 80% of the people said, well, that's exactly why my plants don't make it. I'm not watering that much. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing to consider is you need to bump up your watering some as well in the summertime. Yeah. Because, you know, a plant can stay with low moisture. A plant can stay like kind of right there. Not do a whole lot. Yeah, and, you know, as the summer progresses, too, you're getting more and more roots in there. The Mm. water demand of the plants are higher, and the more foliage it gets, the more water it loses. So, you know, you're just same temperature day in May Mm -hmm. versus July. You're going to have to water more in July. Yeah, 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 exactly. And we only have a few minutes left, but um, y'all should go to, like, the Botanic Garden website, the Master Gardener's website uh, to find really good information on what's happening in the Mid-South. Go mm-hmm. to Jim's uh, garden page. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. I'm just going to have to get on there and start harassing you more, but I don't think all these people are going to understand No, what they'll I'm be doing. after you, Miss Beta. Okay. Yeah, I know. That's okay. We'll, we'll get a good... Uh, little banter going yeah, yeah well and and hopefully uh you know here it is early may and we've had a beautiful spring in my opinion so far mm-hmm. i mean overall as far as the weather's yeah. concerned i um, mean because we did have a pretty brutal you know two-week mm-hmm. uh p- period through the winter month you know and overall we had a, a through the winter week, week. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's it the uh, winter but, week. but spring is here and uh people are excited they're out there getting a lot of stuff done but it's always important just remember this guys whether you're planting in containers or whether you're planting in beds is to work on that soil a little bit before you put anything in the ground or in a pot it all starts with the soil that's right 
Well, we've had a wonderful time with y'all, and we're looking forward to seeing you next weekend. If you missed any part of it, you can go to our podcast and definitely visit the garden page as well. And, you know, we'll probably see you in the garden this week. Mm -hmm. And good uh, having the show with you, Jim, and you, Kenneth. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Beta.